Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. Well, hello there, folks, and welcome to the Monday edition of the show. Uh, Glad you could join us, as always. uh, It's great to be with you. And before we get started with the show, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to uh, just take a moment to thank everyone who tuned in for the 15th anniversary special on Saturday. Uh, There were 60 of you that watched it live on Rumble. And then I just checked the stats before hitting the record button. And at the time of this recording, there are over 460 views on the Rumble video on the replay in less than 40 hours. Just on that one video alone, plus the Kurt Doolittle interview has like 180 views. Uh, and then, you know, the the, the podcast I did with both uh, Max Sand on the economy and the Craig Mansfield interview that I did on the train derailments, those have also gotten multiple views in the hundreds as well. Point being, ladies and gentlemen, is um, I think we have finally started to get our mojo back in regards to this show. Uh, People have said that or people said to me initially after I got banned off of YouTube, well, your show is done unless you want to make another YouTube channel because no one's going to go to Odyssey or any or Rumble or any of these alternative platforms. They're too niche. No one's going to watch you. Um, and yet we have greater visibility over on Rumble. And um, Saturday night's show, which granted was a special occasion, but even so, that was a landmark show, not only because it was the 15-year anniversary of when I started podcasting, but also because that is one of the most viewed, uh, you know, video podcasts that I've done total in my entire career. And it's only two days old, nearly 500 views in, in less than two days. It's really unbelievable when you think about it. And then the uh, the podcast, which just got uploaded to Spotify and Apple Podcasts like early this morning, that podcast is less than 24 hours old. And it already has something like 40 downloads and lessons. So 
the momentum is huge and all the naysayers out out there who said that you know once i lost my youtube channel the uh you know the show is gonna be done for well we're not done yet and not just that but more people are seeing the video on rumble than on youtube and these people aren't even subbed necessarily we only have like 35 subscribers on rumble and yet we have more visibility on Rumble uh, than with the 800 subscribers that we had on YouTube. So really quite amazing uh, to, you know, be able to share that with you. And I am truly humbled and honored to be able to do so. Um, and I also want to take a moment to say uh, you know, a big thank you to all of our guests who uh, came on, Max, uh, Shmuley, Apex Gamma, you know, all of whom took time out of their Saturday evening to, uh, you know, come help celebrate my show. And a very special thank you to Genius Anus, uh, who donated $30 worth of PlayStation you know, store gift credit to me. That was very generous. And then also to uh, Mr. Vicious Vickers, the big bad coin merchant himself, who donated $90 uh, to the show. And I was able to read that on air because uh, I was using my phone as my webcam as i usually do and my paypal account is tied to my phone at least the notification part of it so i wasn't i was not able to see uh you know the donation that mr vickers made but i want to acknowledge it now 90 dollars um really means a lot to me sir and uh you know if, if you are listening to this thank you although more than that uh, the fact that you are a friend of the show means, you know, a lot more to me in and of itself than any single, you know, donation or monetary transaction. That's just an added bonus in my book. So, like I said, folks, it was a great show. Uh, the archive is up on Rumble odyssey and it's also available on the video version of spotify and then the audio podcast is available on apple podcasts amazon wherever you listen to podcasts um and if you didn't have a chance to listen to i highly recommend you do so i did add uh chapter markers in so the segments of the show are indexed in case you don't want to listen to the whole four-hour celebration, but uh, it was a lot of fun to do that show, and I just really want to thank everyone who participated. So thank you. All right, now, I, uh, I didn't get a chance to cover this last week because it didn't have it until Friday, but I figured I would cover uh, this for you today, so... 
one of the latest uh, news items, you know, that's been talked a lot is, are these congressional hearings over TikTok and the fact that TikTok is basically, uh, you know, sur surveying or they have surveillance, they're spying on American citizens through their app and data mining it. Not just that, but they are manipulating uh, data to basically spread propaganda to the Americans and weaponize propaganda against us. So make no mistake, folks, we are now in a electronic Cold War with China. And I have a feeling that that Cold War, if we're not careful, may escalate. Now, the CEO of TikTok actually went before Congress uh, on Friday and, you know, was basically forced to admit this uh, under oath. And Sean Hannity covered this on Friday on his show. I'm not going to play the whole segment, I, but I will play you a clip of this because I, I do think it is uh, relevant what this you know, guy is saying, uh, you know, admitting that TikTok is spying on American citizens. So this is uh, Hannity covering the uh, congressional hearings on TikTok. This was on Friday's show. Roll the clip. happening right now is Biden's weakness on the world stage has never been more apparent, but Republican leaders, thankfully, are pushing back against our adversaries. Now, yesterday, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem signed a bill banning China and other, quote, evil foreign governments from state contracts. And today, TikTok CEO was grilled by lawmakers on Capitol Hill over concerns that the social media company is spying on Americans. Take a look. Do you disagree with FBI Director Ray and NSA Director Nakasone when they said that the CCP could have the capability to manipulate data and send it to the United States? Do you disagree with their statement? Their statement says could. Uh, so do you disagree with that? No, I don't disagree with that. Okay. Has ByteDance spied on American citizens? I don't think that spying is the right way to describe it. <laughs> All right, so that is essentially, you know, the two big takeaways from the hearing there. Uh, the CEO of TikTok basically admitted that TikTok is being used to spy on American citizens. And more than that, uh, send, you know, anti-American weaponized propaganda to our kids. And this isn't some Alex Jones conspiracy theory, ladies and gentlemen. This is on the record in front of Congress. The TikTok CEO is admitting doing this. And the reason why I bring this up, ladies and gentlemen, is there's not a whole lot to talk about. 
in regards to, to this. But one thing that is notable is this is the first instance in quite a long time uh, where both Republicans and Democrats in Congress are actually in agreement that TikTok is a uh, threat to national security. I mean, plain as day, that's what is, you know, going on. They've basically admitted to this, and now there are bipartisan bills on the Senate floor to perhaps ban TikTok. Um you know, from the U.S. Now, you know, ironically, some of the libertarians out there, uh, the the ANCAP, uh, free market people are basically saying that, well, well, uh, Sam, this is bad because the government would basically be uh, you know, outline TikTok from being able to participate in the free market of business. And this sets a dangerous precedent for, uh, you know, the government to be able to regulate tech companies and interfere with business practice, practices in general. And my response to this is basically that the free market uh, you know, argument does not apply here in regards to TikTok. And it doesn't apply, folks, because TikTok and its company ByteDance are essentially owned by the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, uh, as are, you know, all businesses essentially in China. Uh, the Chinese government has direct influence over all businesses in China. Uh, you know, not just in the sense that they, you know, give them money on occasion, but, you know, how these businesses are run, uh, you know, what products they're going to sell, everything uh, from the top on down. So, you know, that's that's why... what. That's why it's so hard to uh, get Huawei, Huawei phones here in the U.S. too. Like you barely ever see them because uh, the U.S. government banned Huawei phones from being distributed here because of you know of concerns of serious legitimate concerns that these smartphones are basically just Chinese smartware. And same with TikTok, right? Now, uh, President Trump, like two years ago, was basically saying the same thing about TikTok in general. That TikTok was being used as a uh, Chinese Communist Party propaganda arm to spread fear and propaganda amongst Americans, particularly, you know, American youth who are susceptible to this type of uh, indoctrination, and he was concerned about it. And, you know, 
unfortunately he didn't he didn't get much to do about it because he was caught in the midst of all these other witch trials and whatnot. Uh, you know, but credit where credit is due, uh, Joe Biden, despite all the things that I may despise about the current occupant of the White House, uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, has seemed to recognize that China is a uh, dangerous threat and is considering passing multiple bills, uh, either banning or heavily regulating TikTok in the U.S. Now, do I actually think anything will come of Congress doing anything? Um, you know, in regards to TikTok, and honestly, folks, the answer to that is that I have no idea. It is honestly hard to tell um, because given all the hearings that Congress has had over the past few years over Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and all of that regarding you know, censorship and social media behavior and all of that, Right, Congress has said that they were going to, you know, investigate further into Twitter's activity, right, and whatnot back in 2017, right, and yet they did nothing regarding the censorship issue on Twitter, and they've done nothing regarding Facebook or YouTube. Um, it, you know, it's actually seemed to cause more problems in some ways when the uh you know, when the government grills Facebook because Facebook in turn just makes their laws like more draconian and more, you know, anti-free speech. So, you know, and the only, the only reason why Twitter is so good is because Elon stepped in and, you know, basically made it as free, as much of a free speech platform as you're going to get with an unreasonable doubt and you know but that was Elon Musk doing that once he bought Twitter that was not uh, you know because the government made him do so or anything like that he did it of his own volition right so Congress when it comes to actually like stopping big tech issues they're not that great about about it, ladies and gentlemen. And so before anyone gets, you know, like really excited, like, yeah, the CCP is going to, you know, get banned from the U.S. because of TikTok. Just hold your horses because it may take a while. And at the end of the day, Congress might not even do anything about it. So that is one of the those situations, folks, where we will, uh, you know, approach it from a take and see, you know, from like a wait and see circumstance and take things day by day. And, uh, you know, at some point we may have a guest on to discuss this issue and, uh, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on it for you all. So that's that. I did want to cover that for you guys. 
uh, today since that was a relevant news topic. And then the next uh, topic at hand also has to deal with uh, technology. This, in fact, has to do with uh, the Internet Archive in a uh, in a lawsuit that they lost against these big publishing companies. Now, some of you may have heard about this because it happened uh, on Thursday, and uh, I I heard about it, but it didn't get much press coverage. It only got a little bit. Um, and this has more to do also with like free speech and uh, woke censorship and whatnot. But anyway, uh, let's continue on. So uh, let me see here. All right, folks. So headline from Reason uh, Magazine or Reason.com rather. Internet Archive loses the lawsuit over National Emergency Library will ap appeal. Uh, plus, sensitivity readers uh, rewrite Agatha Christie. A, a little free library battle and much more. So this has to do with corporate censorship, right? And things going woke. So uh, let's continue. Okay. Uh, as Americans coped with lockdowns and isolation in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Internet Archive, a platform devoted to preserving digital history, hit on a novel way to help people stay sane. The company temporarily lent out free digital copies of books, calling the service the National Emer Emergency Library. The service operated from March 24th through mid-June 2020. The four biggest U.S. publishers, Hachette Book Group, HarperCollins, John, John Wiley & Sons, and Penguin Random House, sued calling this massive copyright infringement. The company pointed to 127 books uh, digitized and loans out and loaned out as part of the National Emergency Library, declaring that they owned the rights to them and had not granted the inter Internet Archive permission to lend them. The Internet Archive claimed fair use, a doctrine that, allow, that allows unlicensed use of copyright works in, circum, in, certain, in certain circumstances, such as when it is being used as part of criticism, commentary, news reporting, or research purposes. On Friday, a federal court sided with the publishers. The Internet Archive's fair use defense rests on the notion that lawfully acquiring a copyrighted print book entitles the recipient to make an unauthorized copy and distribute it 
in place of the print book so long as it does not simultaneously lend the print simultaneously lend the print book, wrote Judge John C. Kotal uh, of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York in his opinion. But no case or legal principle supports that notion. Every authority points the other direction. We are thrilled by the decision in the Internet Archive Open Library lawsuit as we have long argued scanning and lending books without permission or compensation is not fair use. It is theft and it devalues the author's works, the author's guild tweeted. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to come back to that uh you know, part here in just a sec, folks. But um, it is interesting. So the Internet Archive says it will appeal Kotal's decision, calling it calling it a blow to all libraries and the communities we serve. Libraries are more than the customer service departments for corporate database products. Internet Archive founder Brewster Kale said in a blog post, for democracy to survive in a, for democracy to thrive at global scale, excuse me, libraries must continue to sustain their historic role in society, owning, preserving, and lending books. Uh, you know, and then, and then here, uh, this is a different article, but this secondary article here on Reason Magazine talks about how, uh, Harper, Harper Collins has basically rewrote and made edits to the Agatha Christie book series. Um, you know, over quote unquote offensive language. So they have essentially rewritten the books and therefore censored the original works. Now, folks, the Internet Archive. Uh, for those of you who don't know, is exactly what, you know, it says at the beginning of the article. Um, the Internet Archive basically allows for uh, people to upload books, videos, uh, documents, etc etc for you know people to download and use and consume um you know it, it is essentially basically what it sounds like an archive of content on the internet so for example uh you know one one thing that has been uh pretty you know, apparently is all these book publishers um, have been rewriting books or editing the books from their original p- 
publication and altering them to uh, be more content sensitive in this woke age, ladies and gentlemen, right? So, for example, I, I tweeted about this a month ago because um, the Ian Fleming estate basically cut, caved uh, to the woke uh, progressives and decided to uh, hire sensitivity readers to basically edit the James Bond books and edit the language for, you know, more sensible and modern times, right? Now, you could argue, as I have, that altering the James on books in that way fundamentally all you know alters the tone and therefore the overall you know story of the James Bond uh, novels you know they were written by Ian Fleming who was an, who was a Navy intelligence officer who much like James Bond drank and smoked and you know was a womanizer and yes you know, he did say some maybe racially tense thing, not necessarily in a, like in an insulting way, but this was, you know, World War II or post-World War II. And the way people spoke was way different back then. And so a lot of the terminology that Ian Fleming and Agatha Christie Um, you know, and all of these other groups, a lot of the terminology that they've used over the years, uh, you know, is way different than what we use today. And they wrote, they wrote their books in a certain time. And so for these new publishers to suddenly, you know, just rewrite the books to suit modern day uh, you know, sensibilities is a form of censorship. And so people have been uploading, you know, copies of the original James Bond books to uh, the Internet Archive. And, you know, there have been other instances too where, uh, you know, most famously, George Lucas, um, you know, he, he has not... Um, made the original theatrical releases available of Star Wars available digitally ever. He's only ever allowed for the special edition remastered editions to be distributed digitally. And so, you know, hobbyist film archivists have basically done restorations of the, um, original theatrical releases of the Star Wars films and put them out on Internet Archive. Now, one could argue that that is copyright infringement because it's Lucas's property and he didn't give permission to distribute that. But my argument would be, and this applies for a lot of things like uh, you know, television B-movies or, you know, are made for television B-movies or something like that, right? 
Lucas is not distributing the original theatrical films anymore, right? So it is up to the fans, uh, you know, to do so and to archive that material and to, um, you know, preserve that more or less. And they're not stealing anything from Lucas by doing that because, uh, you know, Lucas is no longer making money on the theatrical versions and neither is Disney. Um, you know, neither are these fans that have done the remastered. They're not, you know, making any money off of the, uh, you know, the edits and the remasters that they've done for the original theatrical versions so you know no one no one is really harming anyone and it's not really damaging um you know anyone's work uh you know another example could be when playboy magazine went out of print a few years ago uh fans started to upload you know digital copies of you know, Playboy issues to the Internet Archive. And same principle applies. Um, you know, Playboy has not done anything with their, uh, you know, Hugh Hefner era uh, material. In fact, they've tried to stay, you know, kind of stave away from that and take in to... Uh, a different direction, a more woke direction. So it is up to the hobbyists and the collectors to archive that and preserve that for, you know, people in the future who are interested in that, so, you know, and it is up to, and that is what the internet archive has done, um, you know, and other websites like it. So this whole, you know, this whole notion of, uh, you know, the Internet Archive being bad or taunting being bad in and of itself is kind of, mis of, of a misnomer because torrenting itself isn't necessarily bad. It's just a method to, you know, download files and whatnot. But piracy, you know, which is directly like stealing profits from, you know, companies and filmmakers when they could still stand to benefit from that material that is disingenuous and that is you know dangerous but you know one of the things that uh you know steve jobs most notably recognized in the 2000s was piracy was happening you know online because these media companies were not making their media digitally accessible um, you know, to their fans and to their consumers. So therefore they had to go, you know, to places like the Pirate Bay and the LimeWire, you know, and in an archive back in the day because these play, you know, these website, these companies were not, you know, providing digital content to their, you know, online customers. You know, now that has changed for the most part, but there are some materials out there and some movies that, you know, 
either because the studio went out of uh you know business or because the current studio is a lost rights there are there are movies out there that are not available you know through the distributor digital or otherwise nowadays on the internet and so the internet archive is a uh you know is a good place for these and I even have a few of my old podcasts up on the Internet Archive, I think. So, um, in this instance, I do side with the folks at the Internet Archive. And, uh, you know, I do indeed think it's a very interesting uh, subject. And, yeah, U.S. copyright laws are just fucked in general. But that is a whole nother discussion to get into so that'll uh that'll do it for uh tonight's show for the most part um one thing that i do want to uh bring up that happened over the weekend is uh you know kind of ending on a lighter note is uh kanye west apparently likes jews again because Jonah Hill, uh, I guess Kanye watched 21 Jump Street again and saw Jonah Hill. And because Jonah Hill is Jewish and he, he made Kanye West laugh, Kanye West thinks that Jews are good again because they made him last, because they made him laugh. And Nick Fuentes is furious about it, I guess. You know, which is kind of weird that it was a, a comedy movie that, you know, it took a comedy movie to get uh, Kanye West to kind of reverse his, uh, you know, narrative on being an anti-Semite. But hey, you know, whatever floats his belt, I guess. But anyway, folks, uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the Monday show. And again, thank you all for tuning in uh, to the Saturday show. It really meant a lot that everyone came out uh, to, you know, support me. And we will continue to put out great shows uh, for you all. And I will see you on Wednesday for the, for the live show. Until then, uh, take care. God bless. And uh, have a good day, folks, whenever you're listening to this in the past, present, future hour. Thanks for listening to The Whitfield Report on the NGC Network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash Whitfield Report. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order. <laughs>